Hi, and welcome to NACIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. Today, we're going to take a trip up to the Green Mountain State, one of the most beautiful states in the country, to talk to John Quinn, Secretary of Digital Services and State CIO in Vermont. We're excited to talk to John about his role in his state's COVID-19 vaccine efforts. John, welcome to NACIO Voices, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on today. All right. John, thanks so much for joining us. We know you are a a very busy man. So can you talk to us briefly about your professional background and how you ended up as the Secretary of Digital Services and State CIO? Sure. I have over 20 years of uh, state government experience. I've done a number of positions from help desk all the way up through project management and director of enterprise applications. Um, I served as the governor's chief innovation officer for a while and working on legislative items such as the consolidation of IT. When that made it through the legislature, the the governor asked me to head up the new agency in 2017 as the secretary of digital services in the state CIO. And I've been serving in that role since working on better utilization of our staff and our technology resources, as well as developing a long-term strategy for how we move from, you know, the old traditional infrastructure model to a virtual in the cloud model. So uh, four years as, as state CIO, you know, certainly with an average tenure of 22 months, you are probably considered a grizzled veteran at this point. You know, so John, we're obviously all abuzz with the hope that the end of the pandemic is in sight, uh, with certainly the unprecedented rollout of numerous COVID-19 vaccines across the globe. Can you talk to us about your role in the vaccine rollout in Vermont and the unique fact compared to other state CEOs that you had a role in the policy side of things? Well, you know, what I'd say is our governor, Governor Phil Scott, is a is a team guy. Uh, he's very inclusive. He likes to get opinions from everyone. He likes to r- truly understand from multiple perspectives uh, what's going on on the ground. And he likes to make data-informed decisions. Since the beginning of the pandemic, ADS, CIO, myself, has had a role in our not only policy side, but you know what technologies we use to get us through this pandemic and get us out on the other side in a positive manner. And I think so far, you know, we've done very well in regards to the, you know, governor's three principles that he's had since he took office in 2017 around uh, improving the economy, making Vermont more affordable. And the third one being the most important during a pandemic, protecting the most vulnerable. So, you know, my role, I sit on a meeting with the governor and agency secretaries three times a week. Me and the human services secretary uh, run sub meetings to ensure alignment between human services and Department of Health and the Agency of Digital Services. And really, you know, we've taken the lead as an agency on the data piece uh, with the Department of Financial Regulation. Both of us have really important data pieces that the governor looks at every day, everyone looks at every day. And it's been you know, really eye-opening to see what a team can do when when you take that approach and really bring people in and use the expertise that you have around your cabinet. Yeah, that's great. So how did Vermont decide what your vaccine phases would look like and, and what have those phases been? Well, you know, there was a lot of policy discussion around, 
you know, what's the best way to protect the most vulnerable? And and through those discussions, Vermont went with an age-based vaccination rollout. So we started with our mm-hmm. uh, 75 and older and then went to 70 and then 65 and we'll do 60 and then 50 to 60 and 40 to 50. And that approach really based on the data of the people that get the sickest, making sure that they're vaccinated first. I would say that in there, we have done public safety, first responders, as well as teachers and the people with uh, high risk health conditions from ages 16 to 65. So, you know, we're trying to to get the people that are most vulnerable first and and follow up, you know, by following the the age bands after that. Do you know what what percentage of Vermonters uh, have been vaccinated so far? Or what number? 30%. Got it. That that's pretty good compared to a lot of states. Yeah, we're at 30% right now. Um and you know that that's one of the positive you know stories about this about this rollout or about this pandemic is the way we've used our, our data and the way that you know everyone who has a role in this pandemic is able to see the dashboards of vaccination rates of you know having 85% of those 75 and older that have shots or are fully vaccinated in that 70 to 74 range 82% and so on and so forth we track everything from vaccination by race and ethnicity to age and health condition, we provide a lot of data to decision makers to ensure that everyone understands how we're protecting the most vulnerable and what we can do to find those opportunities when they arise to uh, maybe hit areas of the population where it may be beneficial to our economic uh, outlook as well. Yeah, that's that's so important, I think, to have that transparency. And it also plays a huge role in keeping the government accountable, you know, and seeing where uh, a little bit more work needs to be done in certain areas, for sure. And I think we're seeing that all across the country. Well, you know, and one thing that I'd say is, you know, the federal government rollout of vaccines, Vermont has put itself in a position to be ready as soon as we get those vaccines and to make sure that we're managing our inventory in the best way possible. And some of our data analytics and dashboards have been able to find things early where maybe we had a little bit of extra inventory that not everyone was on the same page with and being able to spot that right away Mm -hmm. and have the human services secretary hop up and say, wait a minute here, I'm seeing that we have extra doses left over at this vaccination site. What are we doing with those and where can those best help us in our, in our long-term strategy? So having that insight into the data and being able to track that um, has been really beneficial to Vermont. Absolutely. So President Biden has said that there will be enough vaccines available for any adult who wants one by May 1st. How do you see that playing out at the state level in Vermont? And what do you think the next several months will look like with vaccinations in Vermont? It seems like, in, I know in my state and a lot of states are really close to just kind of blowing up the rest of the phases and saying everybody can come get one. Yeah, I think we want to make sure that our most vulnerable populations are protected first mm-hmm. um, before you know we offer them to just to the to the wide public. That's the strategy that we set out early on, and the governor has been a rock on following that strategy to make sure that everything that we do is is aligned and that we're protecting those most vulnerable people first. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a 
teeny bit more, if you have more to add on the technology side of things, since you are state CIO, anything else that you want to talk about with respect to your role in the technology side of things? Is it mostly the the data and the dashboard or is there other things as well? There's quite a few other things. And it, and it started back when, before the pandemic, it started with a good long-term strategy around moving out of picking your favorite technology based on, you know, maybe a widget that it offers and uh, really focusing on certain platforms across technology. So one of our platforms in the CRM space is Salesforce. And I can honestly say without Salesforce, I don't know that we'd be where we are today. We were able to do things and everyone understood the strategy from the beginning because we had laid out those strategies and we had sent out, you know, one page informational sheets to cabinet level officials and everyone understood where we were going and why we were going there. And so, you know, one of the unique things about our Salesforce implementation, we were able to stand up a pandemic unemployment assistance program in four weeks. We wouldn't have been able to do that on our mainframe. We wouldn't have been able to do that with some of the other applications. We've created, you know, a registration system that's easily adaptable to change groups, you know, going from not only age range, but adding things like, you know, the 16 to 65 with underlying health conditions or teachers, a subgroup of people in the community that need vaccines based on their profession, like public safety and police officers and people that have direct contact with a wide range of people all the time. Without those underlying technology strategies, we'd be uh, in a much different place, I think. And, you know, I can't say enough about our chief data officer who's had a very big role in all of the pandemic response. And uh, Kristen McClure is her name, and she's done a fantastic job of really not only organizing and understanding the data and being a resource to the entire team. And when I say team, I'm talking about the cabinet level team, but really, you know, taking a lead and stepping up. She had only been with the agency of digital services for about two months, I think, before the pandemic hit. So she hit the ground running and has, you know, really been fantastic. And I can't say enough about the overall team, you know, within digital services from our chief technology officer to data officer to even finance and understanding, you know, what we can use Corona relief dollars for and new ARPA money for and and really diving into things and making sure that Vermont's ready to come out of this pandemic shining. It's great to hear you talk about these partnerships uh, that have really worked out well. Um, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about this next question. You mentioned being able to put Vermont in a position where once the federal government was rolling out vaccines, you guys were ready to go. So what has been the relationship and coordination between Vermont and the federal government and, and relevant agencies? Yeah, you know what I would say, and I, I got to back up a little bit because I don't know that I answered your full sure. question on the, the President Biden question. And Vermont, the only thing slowing down Vermont, and I don't mean this in a negative way, is the federal government and how fast they can get us the vaccines. We have not only the strategy in place, but the technology in place to vaccinate people as soon as we you know, get our allocations. So between our federal partners and the federal pharmacy program and the adaptability of our registration system to bring on new partners, whether it be the National Guard and mega site rollouts or, you know, small clinics or in-home home hospice 
nurses giving shots, we have the ability to ramp up very quickly and make sure that we vaccinate our people as soon as we have the allocations. Our relationship and coordination with between the federal agencies has really been a you know push relationship from a standpoint of how we get the vaccines and how we roll them out. But our relationship overall has been very good. You know, the governor is on White House calls a couple, I think it's a couple times a week. It may only be once a week, but understanding exactly what the Biden administration plans to do and what the next steps are. So we're ready when those things happen. And, you know, at the Department of Health level, we're on calls all the time with our federal partners, understanding guidance coming out, understanding, you know, where they're thinking of going next. Uh, the CDC and Vermont Department of Health, I think, you know, talk daily. And we talk with our NACL partners from a technology side and understand what other states are doing and, you know, try to align uh, not only with what NGA is telling us about what other states are doing, but really trying to understand all the different aspects of the different federal agencies and getting on as many calls as possible to make sure that we stay aligned. Yeah, that's great, especially when you're relying on you know data to make these informed decisions. It's good to have a full picture of everything that's going on, not only at the state level, but also the federal level. So that that's good to hear. Yeah. And I can't thank NASIO enough for coordinating some of these calls because there are so many. Um, I have a new assistant, you know, just to digress for a second. And she's like, I can't believe how many NASIO uh, federal calls and, you know, coordination calls there are. And she's new to the picture, uh, new to state government, but she is, keeps saying how impressed she is with the coordination between all of our groups and, you know, really trying to align and make sure that everyone's on the same page so we can come out of this pandemic shining. Thanks for saying that. That's really, really nice of you. And obviously, we're trying to strike the the right balance between, you know, providing all the information and being completely overwhelming and understanding, you know, how busy all the CIOs are in their in their jobs. So thanks for saying that, John. So I know Amy's going to ask you some hard hitting questions in, in a couple minutes, but earlier this month, we marked the one year anniversary of, you know, last March when the pandemic officially began. So an introspective question for you, what is something that you now know that you wish you could have told yourself, I guess, six months ago, or even, even a year ago at the, at the outset of the pandemic? Well, I think it was really the, the funding streams that are going to be coming down the line and the de- some of the decisions we made based on the information that we had at the time around funding and uh, some of the directions maybe we took. Looking more holistically at the enterprise, the state of Vermont, and our budgets and uh, trying to predict not only revenue shortfalls or what we were expecting, what ended up happening with a huge unprecedented surplus that really has been able to help us in other ways outside of the pandemic, but also with the pandemic. And I think knowing those things before would have maybe informed some of the decisions that we were making then on not only the speed and technology choices, but really just given us a better picture of what's to come and what we needed to do and when to prepare for that money. So l- let me ask you a follow up because I can't let you go on sure. that one. So we've we've been talking about the the significant amount of federal funding that's going to be coming to the states through the American Rescue Plan Act in the next month or so. How do you see that funding as an opportunity to make investments in in IT and and potentially cybersecurity? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, it's been an interesting week. This is crossover week at the legislature, which means the bills mm-hmm. have to cross from one chamber to the next in order to be considered this legislative session. And the money bills are due this week. So I've been in testimony quite a bit in appropriations and energy and technology talking about IT investments. The governor had proposed an additional $53 million of one-time excess revenue go to IT projects, including DMV modernization, unemployment insurance modernization, health eligibility, a new ERP system, cybersecurity. So there was a list of 12 projects to get started. The legislature sees the the value in that. And because of the ARPA money, and I think the devil's still in the details, but the legislature has set out $100 million, upping the amount from the 53 to anticipate, you know, future needs in the next couple of years. So that's just on the digital services technology side. Um, the legislature is also proposing an additional $150 million for broadband. So it's an exciting time for a little state like Vermont to see this type of money coming in, not only to assist with some of these longer-term goals, but really help us recover from this pandemic and the areas of the economy that were hurt the most. So I think there's a lot of opportunity here, whether it be in broadband or modernization. Our Department of Labor unemployment insurance system, everyone's been saying, oh, it's a 40-year-old system. Well, hmm. we were down at the Department of Labor not long ago, and there's a plaque on the wall from the day that, you know, the ceremony where they had for the mainframe when it was booted on or when it was started. And it <laughs> says June 9th, 1970. So oh it's 50, 51 years old now. It was written in a, a pre-COBOL language. So even before COBOL. Um, Crazy. And so when you think about our problems, there's huge opportunity here to change the way we do business and to make it easier for Vermonters to get their services from the state. That's great. And, and just one real quick follow-up. So you mentioned you've been testifying and, and having a lot of meetings with your legislature you know, over this past week. Do you get the sense that they have changed their sort of viewpoint and, and stance on the importance of IT over the last year? They absolutely have. And I think when the governor created the agency, there were certain pieces of the legislature that were very welcoming to that and, and saw the opportunity. And then there were others that were more skeptical and, you know, really were worried about, you know, some of the details and how they would play out. I can't go into testimony now without getting thanks from every one of them for the team effort at ADS and what we've been able to do in just a short few years, uh, whether it's just aligning our budgets and understanding our true IT spend or uh, reducing our inventory from 1,400 applications down to 1,100 or giving them visibility into cybersecurity issues and, you know, really laying out, you know, not only what our posture is, but what the areas of opportunity and the real threats are. And the legislature overall feels better prepared to deal with not only IT in general, but they feel like they have the the information and a trusted partner in the Agency of Digital Services to give them a good roadmap of where we should be headed long term. That's fantastic. And a real credit to you and your team, John. Well, it's definitely a team effort. Okay, John. Well, as we do on all of our podcasts, we want to ask you a few outside of work questions so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better in a segment we call The Lightning Round. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. What's the one thing that you love the most about living in Vermont? It's got to be outdoor recreation. If there's one thing that 
the pandemic has has done is you know it while it's separated us it's given us a real opportunity to enjoy the outdoors and and for us as a family to be able to get outside right now i look over berlin pond and in the the foreground are my cows and horses in the pasture and you know to be able to go out and walk around and explore a little bit of hiking trails right here at my house and in the area it's just it's just fantastic whether it's snow machining or skiing in the winter to uh hunting and fishing in the summer and you know going to camp and swimming with the kids it, it's just a great place to grow up and to raise a family yeah that i feel the exact same way i just have a, a new appreciation for being outside and what 60 degrees and sunny is, which is really wonderful. And I would have used to think that was cold, you know, um, you just <laughs> have right. a whole new like intimate relationship with the weather because you want to be outside. <laughs> okay. That's right. Question, <laughs> question two, uh, favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, it's gotta be cherry Garcia. My wife goes shopping, uh, every Sunday and she comes home with a couple of pints of cherry Garcia for me. It hasn't helped with my, um, wardrobe. Uh, and there's been a little closet shrinkage there where, you know, nothing yes. in my closet seems to fit anymore, but I sure do love my Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Absolutely. I think we pretty much only have fish food around our house, but that has more to do with yep. uh, my husband's taste in music. Yeah. Okay. What is one personal silver lining you have identified over the last year, other than being outside? Well, my wife is uh, way more of an optimist than I am. And when we sent out our Christmas cards, you know, she laid out, while it's brought challenges in the past year, we've had a lot to be thankful for. And for me, it's really getting to spend time with my kids when they're little. Uh, being here at home, while it was stressful some days, you know, very few people ever ha have had a chance to spend that much time with their kids, right? You know, we were yeah. we were locked home with them. Um, and yeah. <laughs> in some ways, it was like, oh my gosh. In other ways, it, it was a true <laughs> blessing from you know the point of getting to see him grow up and getting to see him every day throughout the day and have lunch with him and you know really you know bond and be able to bring him outside and you know go on hikes and it, it's been truly fantastic from a family perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Amy and I feel the same exact way. It's been great to be able to spend time with our kids, uh, even though there are certainly challenges around that. Yeah. And yes. we have little kids too, like you. And it's, it's, yeah, it was special and tough and something I think that when we look back on it, we'll only remember the good parts. Yes. Yeah. I hope so. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Really appreciate you sharing what's going on in the Green Mountain State. And um, we look forward to hopefully being able to see you in person, maybe able to come up and go ski at Stowe or uh, go for a hike with you around Berlin Pond. That sounds great. Thank you very much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks again for listening to Nacio Voices. As this is our 40th episode of doing the podcast, we just want to thank you again for continuing to listen to Nasio Voices. Please make sure you subscribe, give us good reviews. We don't like bad ones. And make sure to share the podcast with a friend. Talk with you next time. Bye-bye.